Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Coming up, Sir John A. Macdonald is the latest victim of the mob. Also, People's Party of Canada leader Maxime Bernier on where the PBC goes from here. The Andrew Lawton Show starts right now. Hello and welcome to another edition of Canada's most irreverent talk show, The Andrew Lawton Show, here on True North. You know, there was a time when it would be, regardless of political persuasion, affiliation, ideological outlook, decapitating the statue of a former prime minister, decapitating any statue, would be seen as heretical to a country, if I can use such a term. There was a time when everyone of all party stripes would deplore this and say, well, hang on, our history is shared. Our history is something that unites us and not divides us. Well, that would be true up until a certain point in time. It's certainly not true in 2020. The statue of Canada's first Prime Minister, Sir John A. Macdonald, felled by the mob in Montreal, and as the statue hits the ground with a thud, Sir John A. Macdonald's head, a head that, not the statue head anyway, but the actual head of John A. Macdonald, concocted a lot of the very foundation of this country against tremendous odds, goes and rolls away. Now, this is not new, although Canada has been somewhat insulated from the scourge of statue deplinthing that's been going on around the United States, particularly in the South, in the last few years, but especially the last few months. But we've still had it here, and, and oftentimes John A. Macdonald is the one that everyone's ire is directed to, despite how devoid of history hating Sir John A. Macdonald truly is. And I'm going to talk about some of the historic aspects of this that the mob certainly is not aware of, but also the fact that even if you accept that he is, to use the lingo of 2020, a problematic character, deplinthing these statues, decapitating the statues, that is not going to achieve anything. So this now happens in Montreal, and the fact that it happened in Montreal is actually an interesting one, because Quebec, at the best of times, is not exactly a fan of Confederation or of the British Empire or of Sir John A. Macdonald. But even so, in the province of Quebec, one of the cornerstones of Canadian Confederation, the statue of Sir John A. Macdonald stood for more than a century. In fact, 125 years until this past weekend. And if you listen to what the people in the Quebec government said about it, again, people that are French nationalists, they are not exactly fans of the Brits. There's no love lost between Franco-nationalists in Quebec and the British Empire. But you look at what Francois Legault, the premier of Quebec, had to say about it. His tweet here, which translated to English, means, whatever one might think of John A. Macdonald, destroying a monument in this way is unacceptable. We must fight racism, but trash parts of our history is not the answer. Vandalism has no place in our democracy, and the statue must be restored. One of Francois Legault's colleagues, uh, Martin Koskinen, had said that the statue must be restored. These acts of provocation cannot be tolerated in a democracy. This is important coming from the province of Quebec. It's important coming from Legault. 
And I value that, not because I, I have a tremendous amount of uh, respect for what he says on a lot of other things, which I do and don't, depending on the topic, but because when the people who are exactly the people that should be skeptical and critical of Sir John A. Macdonald's legacy are saying, yes, that statue should remain up. It's a part of our history. People across the country should be listening. And sensible people are. This is one of these areas where the mob is a loud and angry minority that is at odds with what the general population thinks. But right now, the minority position is the one that everyone is capitulating to. The minority position is the one that everyone is elevating and holding up as being this bastion of virtue and this beacon of virtuousness, when that is so far from the truth. But right now, you look at what happened. Police were on site. It takes time, believe it or not. Not that I've ever taken down a statue, but I've seen videos of it. It takes time to climb up, to get on the statue, to put the straps around it, to get the people there, to start doing the whole heave-ho. It takes time to do that. And you may think, okay, you're in downtown Montreal. I've actually been to that statue. I've seen it before. I've been to the location where this happened. And you think, okay, that would take a bit of time to get to the point where that is happening. Surely police must have been on site. They were. Police decided to stand by and watch. Police decided as a piece of history, as a piece of art was being taken down, to just stand by and look and do who knows what. Now, were they following orders? Did they not know? I have no idea and I don't particularly care. But police at some level made the decision to not get involved, thus endorsing that this is apparently the way you do things in a free and civilized society in 2020. Now, the condemnations from a lot of people have been swift, but not all. And Aaron O'Toole, the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, as of last week, he's spoken up and has said that this is just unacceptable. Canada wouldn't exist without Sir John A. Macdonald. Canada is a great country and one we should be proud of. We will not build a better future by defacing our past. O'Toole said politicians need to grow a backbone to stand up for the country. You look at Jason Kenney, who's always been a stalwart defender of protecting and preserving Canada's history. He had actually put a thread out on Twitter saying that uh, the mob has torn down and defaced the statue of Sir John A. Macdonald. This vandalism of our history and heroes must stop. And interestingly, he actually went further to say this isn't just defending history. He was actually educating people. Kenny, if you look at the Twitter thread, was educating people about John A. Macdonald's legacy. And he said he was an immigrant who suffered unimaginable personal trauma throughout his life, which he overcame to forge an enormous country out of divided factions. It's right to debate his legacy and life, but it is wrong to allow roving bands of thugs to vandalize our history with impunity. If the city of Montreal decides not to put it back up, he has said that he is going to make sure it happens on the grounds of the Alberta legislature. So again, Jason Kenney is saying, listen, if Montreal is not taking it, we will. Although I hope from Francois Legault's comments that uh, Montreal will heed the call of the people who have a bit of sense around the country and put it back up to its rightful place and protect it when the mob tries to go after it again, because we know this is not going to end. And if you look at the whole nature of this, if you decide you're going to filter a 2020 social justice lens and apply that to every single historic figure, no one, absolutely no one passes the test. 
For example, not, I think it was 60 yards away, there's a statue of Wilfrid Laurier, I believe. Certainly we have statues of all of these figures. And if you want, you can look through their greatest hits and find quotes of theirs that might make you a little bit squeamish or might make things a little bit awkward if you were to put them into a 2020 political discourse. But you cannot expect the heroes of the past and I don't use that word lightly, to have the sensibilities of the present. And if you do, you are actually anti-history because you don't realize that history is about the time and place in which things happened and the context in which things happened. And the fact is, well, John A. Macdonald's position on, let's use Indigenous issues, which seems to be the cornerstone of the criticism of him, his position on Indigenous issues might not match up with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission position of today. But his position was actually progressive for the era, and in fact, John A. Macdonald got significant pushback from his colleagues and from his contemporaries because of how he was trying to move things forward. He actually wanted a better future and better presence in Canada for the Indigenous population, and he staked political capital on that. And that's very different. And now people would say, oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter because it's not the standard of today. Well, who does have the standard today? Name one person in history that has the standard of 2020. In fact, even the people who pushed for progress, the people who pushed the envelope, the people who were renegades, often held regressive views on other things. Let's take, for example, an NDP hero. And the reason I bring this up is because I got into, a, I don't want to say it's a, a Twitter argument because he didn't respond, but I, I had a, a I, I put a tweet out, rather, we'll say, when Charlie Angus, who is a, an NDP member of Parliament, had put forward a tweet quoting John A. Macdonald and specifically quoting an aspect of John A. Macdonald's existence that is what raises the ire of the Indigenous activists today. And the line is, I have reason to believe that the Indian agents are doing all they can by refusing food until the Indians are on the verge of starvation to reduce the expense. John A. Macdonald, 1882. And that's important because it actually came in a discussion where if you look at the follow-up, John A. Macdonald's line was actually fairly progressive. He was criticized, believe it or not, for not doing enough to starve out Indians. And that was the rationale at the time that, oh, well, if, if we just tell them that the government's going to protect them, they're not going to do anything. And Macdonald was actually pushing against that, which is why knowledge of history is so important. So in response to Charlie Angus's tweet, I included a tweet from a hero of the NDP, Tommy Douglas, the founder of Medicare in Canada, the founder of the modern NDP. And he had said in 1968, we ought to recognize homosexuality for what it is. It's a mental illness. It's a psychiatric condition. Roll that clip. If ever we needed in this country to adopt a new attitude to homosexuality, this is the time. Uh, instead of treating it as a crime and driving it underground, we ought to recognize it for what it is. It's a, it's a mental illness. It's a psychiatric condition which ought to be treated sympathetically, which ought to be treated by psychiatrists and social workers. Now, Tommy Douglas holds a view that if you were to say that in any political context today, you'd be vilified. In the NDP, you'd certainly be persona non grata. Yet still, that was the belief held by Tommy Douglas. 
Now, does that mean we should cancel Tommy Douglas? No. Does that mean we should uh, not honor Tommy Douglas and honor his legacy and all that stuff? No. Now, I, if we could cancel certain things that his healthcare plan has done for the country, maybe that would be a good idea, but that's a different dialogue. We don't. We look at him in the context of his era. And when I posted this, a couple of people said, oh, well, hang on. He was responding to the wisdom of the day, which said that homosexuality should be seen as criminal. To which I say that proves the point, that his view, which may have been progressive of the era, was still regressive by today's standards. So do we say no more Tommy Douglas? No. We say, all right, this is the context through which we view that quote. This is how we understand him. And we honor the good things while learning from the bad things. And that's what history is all about. And you can actually still have your historic heroes, even if they aren't perfect on every single aspect of their existence by the lens that we view things through today. That's the whole point of it. History is about growth, it is about evolution, and it is about progress. And when people say that taking down statues is not an attack on history, they are absolutely wrong because they are trying to obliterate the very meaning and the very essence of history, which is one that requires us to learn from the past and to celebrate the good parts of the past and to understand how we as a country and how we as a society got to the place we are in now. And you can't do that if you don't respect or recognize the people who championed that and spearheaded that, of which in a national context, Sir John A. Macdonald is the most notable. Remember, Confederation was not a given. The Canada we know today was not a given. Macdonald had to fight for it. He could have easily just packed up and gone back to the United Kingdom, but he didn't. He fought for it, and even at times when it seemed like the Canadian existence was hanging by a thread, held together with you know paper and duct tape, he pursued. He persisted. And the Canada we have today exists because of John A. Macdonald. The problem with that is that a lot of these hordes of activists and the angry mobbers, they hate Canada. They hate the Canada that exists today. They hate the Canada that's existed for the last 153 years. They hate every part of Canada. So you can't really appeal to them by that sense of, well, hang on. The country we have today is because of him because they hate that. So then the question is, what are you wanting to build? And this is the point that I raised when the first round of riots was going on around the United States a couple of months back. I said, okay, you want to take down, you want to dismantle, you want to destroy, fine. What is it you want to build? They can tell you all the things they hate about the country. They can tell you all the things they hate about the history, all the things they hate about this statue and that statue, but they can't actually tell you the country they want to build and how they plan to build it. They can't tell you how they're going to be a founding mother, founding father, or founding, you know, age, gender, non-binary leader. They can't tell you because they don't know. They are not in the building business. They are not in the creation business. They are not in the peacemaking business. They are in the business of destruction. And yes, it is a rebuke of history. Yes, it is a rebuke of John A. Macdonald. And yes, it is a rebuke of everything that made this country what it is today. A country which has the freedom for angry hordes of mobs to roam the streets. That's the part of Canada that they fail to acknowledge that their right to be deadbeats 
their right to be destroyers, the fact that they were not gunned down as they would in the Soviet Union if they were taking down a statue, as they would in Iraq if they were taking down a statue, or Iran or North Korea, that very freedom comes from the country which was founded by the people that they claim to deplore. So how do you fight this? You have to prove that you are willing to stand up for your history. You have to prove that you are willing to defend your history, defend your historic figures, and do what Jason Kenney and Aaron O'Toole and all of these other people, including Francois Legault, are doing and standing up for that part of Canada and telling them that if you knock it down, we will build it up, we will steal, reinforce it, we will protect it, and we will arrest the people that take it down. You know, it's funny, when you talk about the destroyers, these are not strong people. The one most amusing part of the video, which made me sad in so many ways, was right after the statue falls, the head comes off, and one of the protesters goes and tries to pick up the head. And this little, just weak beta male, and I say this realizing I'm not exactly the paragon of masculinity, just can't even pick up the head. And admittedly, it would be very heavy, and he misjudged it. But maybe that's the great metaphor. They misjudge their own strength. He goes, he can't pick up the head, so instead he just throws his hands in the air, celebrates, and, and walks away. Because, all right, well, I can't pick up the head like it's the uh, head of uh, Jebediah Springfield, but okay, at least I can just take down the statue by pulling a cord with a bunch of people. As individuals, if you take them away from the mob, as individuals, these people are meaningless and feckless and pathetic. As a mob, they are still feckless and pathetic and meaningless, but they have the illusion of power, which is what needs to be taken away from them. You know, I had to ask over the weekend, where on earth was Justin Trudeau in all of this? Because here's a guy who has never hesitated to jump in on the social justice bandwagon causes in the past, even in some cases jumping in to comment on something that ended up being a hoax. I'm thinking mainly of that time in, in Toronto that a young girl claimed her hijab was ripped off by someone and that, and that ended up being just a, a fake hate crime. Justin Trudeau has always jumped in on these things whenever he can grandstand in virtue signal but when the statue of Sir John A. Macdonald was decapitated in Montreal, he was nowhere to be found until he was asked about it by a reporter on Monday morning. And this morning, he actually gave what I thought was a reasonably decent statement. It was less equivocal than I thought it would be. Let's roll that clip. Like uh, the mayor of Montreal, uh, like uh, a minister, Stephen Guilbeault, uh, our minister of heritage, uh, I was deeply disappointed uh, by the vandalism that took place uh, over the weekend. Uh, I understand the impatience, the frustration of Canadians who faced systemic discrimination and racism uh, throughout their lives and their concern uh, that we act quickly on that and their impatience because I myself am impatient. We need to move forward uh, quickly and the right ways on countering systemic discrimination and our government will do just that. But we are uh, a country of laws. Uh, and we are a country that needs to respect uh, those laws, even as we seek to improve and change them. And that, those kinds of acts of vandalism are not advancing uh, the path towards greater justice and equality in this country. Now, we've seen following that uh, people on either sides of the spectrum trying to use these, uh, these elements as a way of furthering debates. I'm more interested uh, in uh, using the real frustrations that people have as motivations to continue to make the big changes necessary. 
we have an awful lot to do as a country and part of it needs to have a clear eye towards the past and mistakes made by previous generations of people who built this country. But our focus needs to be on how we improve things today and for the days to come for all Canadians. And that means tackling systemic discrimination everywhere it exists, taking significant measures to make sure that Canadians are safe and aren't facing extra barriers that are inherently unfair. We have a lot of work to do, but uh, choices like this, to rely on vandalism to uh, advance causes, is not going to help anyone move forward the right way. So what I like about that is he condemns it as an act of vandalism. So he doesn't mince words about that. He says it's not helping anyone. But when he talks about understanding the frustration and how he's impatient as well, again, I go back to something I mentioned months ago. You are the system. You can't be protesting the system that you are a part of. What are you doing about it? I mean, the people that are impatient waiting for government to act on X, Y, and Z are waiting for you, Prime Minister, to act. So if you're impatient, well, great. You've got a government right now. I'm sure that a lot of the parties would back you if you said you wanted to fix whatever the grievance was. But what this reveals is that the grievance is not always all that clear. When the initial Black Lives Matter protests happened this year, so this wave of them, it was pretty clear. It was in response to the George Floyd killing. It was in response to a lot of the systemic racism they claim exists in every department. And even that was not entirely clear. And this is why what do you think of systemic racism became such a, a question that was asked by media to pretty much any and every politician. Aaron O'Toole got hit with it on Sunday night when he did an interview on Global News' West Block, and he didn't take the bait. He didn't say, yes, I think systemic racism is real. He said, no, because when you use that term, you're actually maligning a lot of good people that are not racist and are not part of anything wrong with Canada. But to go back to Trudeau's statement, so he talks about the act of vandalism and he says, you know, we need to find better ways and we need to, you know, do all of this stuff. And then he starts talking about mistakes made in past generations. So even then, there isn't a celebration, let alone a defense of John A. Macdonald. And I wish that Trudeau, in his comment, while condemning the act of vandalism, which I'm glad he did, I wish he would actually honor John A. Macdonald because the point of it is that when he comes out and says, well, you know, listen, I get all of your issues, but I don't think that's the way you should express them. He's not dealing with the root of the problem. And the root of the problem, as I've mentioned over the course of the show to this point, is the people who are devoid of history and historic knowledge and historic understanding who are doing this because they think that John A. Macdonald is a villain of history rather than a hero of history. And for a guy who occupies the role of Prime Minister of Canada, a role that so few people in this country's history have had, it would be nice if he could actually celebrate his predecessor, the one who made his role today possible, Sir John A. Macdonald. And, and I know it sounds like I'm splitting hairs here, and I'm not trying to just nitpick on every single thing Justin Trudeau says, because as I noted, I am actually happy that he condemned the vandalism. I thought he would be really equivocal and wishy-washy about it, and he wasn't to the extent that I thought he would. But you have to celebrate the history itself, not just say this isn't the way to go about it. Because if you do that, there are going to be people that think it's kind of a wink-wink of, okay, but he agrees that John A. Macdonald is problematic. 
And then that leads itself to all of the other things, the slippery slope argument of turning this name of this office into something else and changing the name of this bridge. And like when Trudeau changed the name of the prime minister's office from the Langevin block to the whatever it is called now. So that's why you have to reject the premise that the attacks and the vandalism are based on not just the acts of vandalism themselves. Because otherwise, it just becomes about how do we express this grievance rather than, hey, you are just plain wrong. And you can find there are issues in Canada today that need to be dealt with while also recognizing that John A. Macdonald is not someone who should be vilified for that. That is the whole point of history, and that is the whole point of its future counterpart progress. So fight for this if you have any pride in your country or its history or history itself. Because if you don't, there will be nothing left to fight for before long. We'll be back in a moment. More of The Andrew Lawton Show here on True North. You're tuned in to The Andrew Lawton Show. Well, it's been a little over two years since uh, Maxime Bernier left the Conservative Party of Canada to chart his own path as leader of the People's Party of Canada. Since that, we've had an election and also a Conservative leadership race. And there has been no doubt, there's been no second guessing. Uh, Monsieur Bernier said at a press conference after Aaron O'Toole was elected Conservative leader, he has no regrets and he's more confident than ever that he made the right choice. He joins me on the line now. Uh, Maxime, Good to talk to you again. Thanks very much for coming on today. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate it. When you first left to form the PPC, a lot of people thought it was going to be a flash in the pan, that eventually everyone would see the error of their ways. You'd be welcomed back into the fold. That's not happening. And it seems like, especially from your press conference last week and other developments that have happened in the PPC and the CPC, like you're actually moving further and further away from that idea of reuniting the parties like they did in 2013 or 2003, rather. First of all, I must say that, you know, I'm a, a real conservative. And if you look at our platform and the platform of the Conservative Party of Canada, there's a huge difference. So, yes, you're right. Uh, after uh, the leadership contest, Aaron O'Toole won. But uh, I'm looking at uh, what he said and what the Conservative Party of Canada said during the last campaign. You know, I was uh, very disappointed. And uh, I think a lot of conservatives will be disappointed also because in his first speech uh, early Monday morning, he said that his goal was to reach to uh, liberals voters and NDP voters. So that party is now a central left political party. And Aaron O'Toole is a real red Tory. The, the establishment wanted that. They have a red Tory as a leader, a progressive conservative. And I was disappointed because, you know, we had a, a very important crisis in this country. If you look at the Western alienation and uh, O'Toole didn't say anything about that. Uh, and he is not ready to fix the equalization formula to be less generous and a formula that would be fair for everybody is for the Paris Accord with more taxes, more regulations. So the goal of the Conservative right now with Aaron O'Toole is to be a central center-left political party, and uh, they want to uh, be like the Liberals. And that's why I think a lot of Conservatives would be disappointed. 
Hang on though, Maxime, I've got to ask you about that. I've got to call you on that if I may, because when I hear you say that you don't like that Aaron O'Toole is trying to reach out to liberal voters or NDP voters, in 2018, I think it was, you had said to Mercedes Stevenson on Global, and I have the story in front of me right here, we want to attract people from other parties also like the NDP. So how is that any different than what you're saying is evidence of centrism or of diluting conservative values in Aaron O'Toole? No, I'm not saying people from other parties. I'm saying people who share our values. We're the only party who is doing politics, that doing politics differently. No pandering, you know. Aaron O'Toole did pander to the cartel of their reproducer to be uh, to be the, the leader of the Conservative Party. It's okay. Uh, that's the way to do politics. We don't do that. We do that. We're doing politics by principles. We try to uh, have policies that would be good for all Canadians and not focusing on special interest group. So yes, I want more people to support the PPC, but I want people who come to support us because they like our ideas. They share our ideas. Ideas, that's the most important. If they don't like what we are saying, I'm telling them stay at home or vote for another for another party like the conservative or the liberals. So we don't do any any pandering to have their votes. But the conservatives, that is in their DNA. They are doing that. Their goal is to be in government. But you know, I was a conservative. We had a majority government in 2011. And what is the legacy of Stephen Harper? Tell me, Andrew, what is his legacy? Nothing. He tried to reunite the, the, the right and he was successful. But after that, because, you know, he governed like a centrist and a liberal uh, political party, we were not able to win in 2015. But there's no legacy. I'm not in politics to be in government just to be in government. I'm in politics to have real debates about the, the, the important challenges that we are having in this country that other political parties like the Liberal and the Conservatives won't speak about. You know, that's, I think that's a huge difference between us and the traditional uh, established uh, political parties. You know, even with, as you say, going after the center, the conservatives have trouble winning elections and, and certainly majority elections seem harder and harder to come by. Are there enough people in the country that share the PPC's values to deliver a, a PPC government? I mean, last time, I know you're a new party and you've talked about how it took the Green Party 30 years to accomplish what you did in a couple of years. But simply put, when you look at demographics, are there enough people in the country that can vote in alignment with the values that your party is standing up for? I think so. But answering your question, uh, you know, I'm very realistic. Uh, I, I won't be prime minister after the next election. But, you know, uh, my goal is to be elected with uh, a couple of our candidates and we can change things if we are in Ottawa, when we'll be in Ottawa. Uh, look at the Reform Party. They were not in government, but they pushed uh, the, the, the Chrétien and Martin government to balance the budget. That was a principal uh, uh, official opposition. And they were able to change the debate in our society without being in government. And look at the Green. They have only uh, two uh, members of parliament, but all the established political parties like the Liberal and the Conservative have a huge Green platform. So we can say that they want the debate. We need to be out there. We need our ideas to be discussed. And that's what I'm doing. And, you know, if when we'll be elected, when I'll be elected, we will be able to uh, speak loudly and, and pushing the debates 
uh, toward more freedom and, and a smaller government. That's our goal at the end. But I hope a day I'll be prime minister, but I'm realistic that it won't be after the next election. So you just have to speak about what you believe with passion and conviction and you'll have support. Look about the, the best example is the cartel in supply management. When I started to speak about that, only 5% of the population were on my side. Now, if you do a survey, maybe 35, 45% of them will be on the, the side of freedom. So that's, that's the way to do politics, doing politics by conviction. And Utul, you know, is just an opportunist politician like, uh, like Trudeau and, and all the others. Are there any circumstances under which you would be open to merging the PPC with the CPC? And the reason I ask that is because obviously we had Derek Sloan and, and Leslin Lewis in the race, and they seem to very much want to reach out to a lot of people that left for the PPC. That was a part of the plan that they wanted to bring forward. Were they successful? And while they didn't win, they did have a, a significant chunk of, of the votes and of the points. And we hope anyway, are, they're going to be included or incorporated in the party moving forward. And I guess that's just making me think, would you ever even entertain a reunion of these parties similar to the 2003 merger between the PC and the Alliance? No, no. First of all, you know, I had 49% of the votes. I had the support of the, the members of the Conservative Party at the last uh, uh, leadership run. I didn't win, and that's okay, you know. I, I respect the democracy. I, I didn't have the support of a lot of caucus members at that time. I think I had only five MPs on 99 MPs that supported me as the uh, as a candidate for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. Of Canada. And uh, but look at what they, they the score that they had. It's less than 49 percent. With 49 percent of the votes, I was not able to influence the establishment of the Conservative Party at that time. That's why I left the party. That was, I said, this party is just there to be in government and they, they, they don't have any uh, philosophy or principles and they, they, they don't want to do, have the real debates about the, the challenges that we're having in this country. So I left. I said the party is morally and intellectually corrupt and I still believe that. So what I'm telling to Leslie and Derek uh, they will be. They will fight inside the party for their ideas to be adopted. But I doubt because O'Toole, uh, his goal is to be in government, and to be in government, he will need to have more support to downtown Toronto, downtown Montreal, downtown Vancouver, and he he has to be a central uh, left political party, and that's that's his goal. So these people will be disappointed. So my offer to them today and to their supporters is to come with us. We won't do any compromise. We are are the real uh, uh, conservative uh, principle uh, alternative to the old establishment uh, politicians. When you look at your decision to leave when you did, a lot of people have put forward the thought that if you hung around, if you stuck around and, and ran in the 2019 election as a conservative MP, you would be an MP right now, but also you would probably be the leader of the Conservative Party right now. Once Andrew Scheer had stepped down, you would have been a very clear frontrunner. Do you think that's true? No, I don't think so, because first of all, you know, remember, on 99 MP, I had only five MPs who supported me at that time, including myself. So, you know, uh, uh, it, it, winning the, the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada, it, it would have been very difficult for me to, to put forward our ideas because I didn't have the support of the caucus 
and look what happened to uh, um, uh, uh, Stockwell Day when he was the leader of the Canadian Islands. He didn't have the support of his caucus. So uh, my answer to that is no, I, I, I took the right decision at that time and I'm very happy. We're building something, like you said in the beginning. It took uh, 20 years and six elections for the Green Party to have more than 1.6% of the vote. We are the only party uh, that didn't have any deficit at the end of the last campaign. We have a surplus in bank. We are raising money. People like our ideas. And I will travel across the country to meet our people and rebuild the party to be ready for the next election. We'll have 338 candidates uh, in every riding at the, the next election. So we, we will be there and uh, we will be able to elect a couple of our candidates. And that's the way to change politics in Canada. Uh, I try inside the Conservative Party of Canada for long time and I was not successful because their philosophy is not, uh, is not the real conservative philosophy, you know. Uh, they, they want to tell you what you want to hear without uh, challenging the statu quo. They're afraid to start challenging the statu quo. So um, that's not my way of doing politics and I think uh, we have a great future. But we have to be patient. Yes, I won't be prime minister after the next election, but I hope I'll be prime minister a day. One of the things that I've noticed about uh, the work that you've been doing after the election, you've launched uh, the Max Bernier show. I know the PPC is starting campus clubs. So doing a lot of things to really shift the cultural discussion out in the real world, not necessarily in the political process. And I'm wondering if you think that is almost more important right now to start selling these values in the media, in alternative media, out in the world, and then hope that downstream of that, people will start to vote along with those values. Uh, absolutely, Andrew, you're right. Uh, what we will uh, say uh, at the next election will ask people to vote for what they believe in, not to vote against something, to vote for their values. And that's why we need to be out there. That's why, you know, uh, I wanted to start uh, the tour across the country in February. But because of COVID-19, I was not able to do that. And I will start that this fall. But we use social media. I'm very pleased that I have this opportunity to do an interview with you. Uh, I, I did a press conference in Ottawa Monday. I think it was well covered by the traditional mainstream media. Um, I need to travel across the country and in the campuses. Also, you're right, uh, to speak about freedom, to speak about, you know, in this society, you need to debate ideas. And we don't debate ideas anymore. Um, and so we have to start and I'll start doing that again uh, with the uh, uh, young people in university campuses and uh, before Chamber of Commerce. I will do some uh, some speeches in front of Chamber of Commerce uh, across the country. So that's the goal. We need to be at our biggest challenge, Andrew, is about maybe. 80% of the population don't know that we exist. When they know that we exist and, and they're listening to our ideas, you know, we are fighting for the Western civilization values. We are fighting for fewer immigrants. We are fighting for uh, keeping our identity. We are fighting for putting Canada first. And all that, it is not a, sl uh, a slogan. It is not a buzzword. It is our reality. 
I ask people to go and see on our platform at peoplespartyofcanada.ca. They'll be able to read that. We're the only party who said we need to have a moratorium on immigration right now because the official unemployment uh, rate is about 13%. But you and I know that the real unemployment rate, it must be about 18%. So it's not time to have 350,000 newcomers every year when you have an unemployment rate so high like that. We are asking for a moratorium. What was the position on, uh, on Aaron O'Toole on that? The statu quo. The statu quo on immigration, the statu quo on uh, the equalization formula, the statu quo on pipelines. He doesn't want to use the constitution to impose, and I'm using the word impose, to impose a pipelines on provinces that don't want a pipeline. That's important. It's under the federal jurisdiction. He's not talking about that. With, with Aaron O'Toole, it will be the same thing like Andrew Scheer with a new face, and they won't have the courage to speak about that. And the Western alienation will be worse than it is right now. So I think we have a great future, and, um, and you know, I'm looking forward for that. Going into the 2019 election, you had momentum. The party was new. No one knew what it was going to become. You had just been a, a sitting member of parliament. Going into the next election, whenever it is, how do you build on what you did in 2019 and not just kind of dissipate, basically, because that was when you had the momentum and that was when a lot of people were really interested in wondering what the first result was going to be? How do you build going forward? But, you know, we must admit that the result, my personal uh, result of the election, I wasn't elected with 28% uh, of the votes. Uh, I was disappointed and a lot of our supporters also. Uh, but, you know, it's part of the uh, political life. We need to build from there. And I think we have a strong base right now. Now we are about 4% in the poll and the Green Party is at 6%. So <laughs> we just need to be out there and speak about what we believe. So I'm looking to, to the next, for the next election. Um, uh, very, uh, I'm very optimistic. I think we, we are able to raise money. That's the, the, the name of the game. If you don't have any money, you won't be able to do advertising and to travel across the country. So that's very encouraging that our people are still uh, donated to us and they're very generous. So that being said, the, the same momentum uh, right now, you know, it's not there. People are preoccupied with their jobs. I think that's the most important. But uh, early before the election, and I think in a couple of, in a couple of months, people will look at uh, politics a little bit closer, right? And that will help us. That's why, you know, our challenge is to be out there, speak to so social media and traditional media. That's why I started the Max Bernier show on the YouTube channel. It's a YouTube uh, People's Party of Canada slash official YouTube channel. I'm doing some interviews, but also I'm doing, uh, I'm very uh, active uh, and speaking about what is it, what is important for this country. And so it, it, it's a nice time for us. We just have to build from there and we'll see what will happen. Maxime Bernier, leader of the People's Party of Canada. Good to talk to you again, Maxime. Thanks very much. Thank you, Andrew. Have a nice day. My thanks to Maxime Bernier and all of you who have tuned in to today's show. This is Canada's most irreverent talk show. Remember, never lose sight of history because understanding and respecting history is a vision to understanding and respecting where you want to go from here. My thanks to you all again. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. God bless and good day, Canada. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.